Welcome to the show. This is the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I'm your humble host. And joining me as always, my beautiful wife, my hostess with the mostest. Her name is? Just Jen. Why you give me that funny smile, <laughs> lady? I was just waiting to see how long you're going to go on about me. <laughs> see if I was going to play it up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Happy day after Mother's Day. I just, well, thank you. I, I never know when you're going to stop. So I'm like waiting to say just Jen, you know. I never know when I'm going to stop either. <laughs> so I have to watch you very closely to kind of see when you're going to let me say just Jen. I felt your eyeballs drilling into mm -hmm. me. I'm like. Did I do something wrong? Did I do something right? <laughs> I was waiting patiently. I've been around you for a long, long time, and sometimes you're still a mystery. I am always going to be a mystery. <laughs> How are you feeling? I am feeling, you know, I was just talking to one of my girlfriends, and we were talking about how I think the depression is starting to set in. Depression? A little bit. Really? Yeah. Why? Because... Like I've been so good for so long and now I'm just kind of over it and wondering if this is the new normal or if we're going to go back to the real normal. You're over the pandemic. I'm over it. Done. Yeah. Finito. Yes. I can't come up with any other ways to say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I hear you. I had said to a friend of mine that I felt like May 15th was going to be when everyone kind of reached their limit. Right. You know, we're such a productive society. We're such a go get it, you know, like work and busy. And, you know, we're not like some of those other countries that are much more laid back and, you know, kind of easygoing. So I think you, I, I think we all get keyed up, mm -hmm. let alone, you know, I keep marveling and thinking about all the businesses that are affected by it. You know, I was thinking about martial arts and Taekwondo yeah. centers and, you know, like who's going to go? You know, right. like all of these small businesses that are in these strip malls and things like that, that nobody's gone to. Like all of these people are hurting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess we got to see how it plays out. Well, it's not fun waiting. I'm telling you that. I know. That's why we're doing a hope-filled podcast. So I am hoping to be filled with hope after this next interview. You're hoping to be filled with hope after. Yes. See? That's what we do. That's what we hope. We take your hope reservoir <laughs> that's on empty and we take it all the way up to full. Right. You know what else might help? What? Cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> Cupcakes make everything better. Food for you makes everything better. Yeah, but specifically a Sprinkles cupcake. <laughs> sprinkles. Sprinkles. You want a Sprinkles cupcake. We don't have those here. From Hollywood. <laughs> or from Orange County. Or from Scottsdale. Scottsdale. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or I, New York. We've been to that one. Yeah. That one was really cool. They're probably all closed. Yeah. I well, remember she had a it's cupcake vending machine. She had like an oh, yeah. like a like an automated yeah. I bet you they're still open. I bet it's you can buy cupcakes off the thing. In the in the ATM. You put in the card and yes. you select your cupcakes and it comes out the machine. Because they are essential. They are? Yeah. It's food. Well, yeah, you have to eat and you have to be happy and you have to have cupcakes. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Speaking of happy, mm -hmm. it's joke time. <laughs> okay. Do you have a joke? I have a joke. All righty. 
I have a joke, but only the people who know the Bible are going to get my joke. Really? Yeah. It's kind of a narrow focus, huh? It's kind of a narrow focus. Well, I guess the Bible is not very narrow. A lot of people know the Bible. Well, yeah, but... Yeah. All right, let's hear it. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. How does Moses make tea? How does Moses make tea? I don't know. How does Moses make tea? Hebrews. <laughs> <laughs> that one's good. <laughs> I will give you a laugh out loud on that one. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate your laugh out loud. Yeah, that was a good one. Well, I have a I have a good one for you. Okay. I hope okay. you know. Um, it's hard to make me laugh. Why do seagulls fly over the sea to see the girls on the beach? <laughs> That's almost a better answer than the actual answer. <laughs> Why do seagulls fly over the sea? Because if they flew over a bay, they would be called bagels. Oh, bagels are better. <laughs> seagulls poop on you. Jennifer. They do. Why did you go to poop? Well, I don't know, but bagels sounded way better than seagulls. Well, you didn't laugh. That was a food <laughs> joke even. I know. And then you talk about poo afterward. That's not good. <laughs> Seagulls are weird. They're weird birds. Why are they weird birds? I don't know. Because you think they're weird birds? Because they, they poop on you. Jennifer. They do. Why are we talking about this? Because that's what, uh, when we I think of a seagull, that's what I think of. We don't talk about this. Okay. Not talking about this. Yeah. Uh, well, that was an interesting segue, side conversation that we had there. Yeah, I'm filled with hope. <laughs> <laughs> hope that the show is going to be better than our little joke time. Hope that you don't get uh, a splash on your forehead from a seagull. Yeah. That'd be bad. Have you ever gotten pooped on by a bird? It's supposed to be good luck. Why would that be good luck? I think it's really bad luck. Yeah. I don't know. Don't. Walking around all of a sudden. You, yeah, I, I think so. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember a specific occurrence. But Do not poop on me. Jennifer. That would be gross. Oh, my gosh. We need to <laughs> transition this conversation. I'm glad to get on to the next interview, seeing as how we hopefully didn't scare off. Did you see the, our front door? What do you mean? You know, we have like a little perch on the front door because it's like this big, yeah. huge castle door. Yeah, yeah. You see all the birds pooping right yeah. there? Yeah, right on they our- They found a new home. Yeah, It's I saw because that. we are stuck inside and not going in and out the door. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. See, all right. they poop. Stop. Everywhere. Stop. Did you see Clancy's car? Stop. His truck? Jennifer. Yep, it's happening everywhere. Right. Let's talk about our guest <laughs> that's coming on the show, if we still have a show after this. <laughs> I guarantee the show's going to be way better. It's Monday. Yeah, it is. We're going to have a conversation with Sean Morong, and he's from Trinidad. Another and Sean? Another Sean. This is the second Sean, and you're the third Sean. Trifecta. Yeah, that's crazy. Trinity. Three we, is good. Maybe there's a Jen we can interview. Maybe a Jen? Yeah. Calling all Jens. <laughs> Calling all Jens to the show. We would can like we to interview? interview another Jen. We need another Jen. If okay. you are a Jen listening, call us. <laughs> well, speaking of socials, yeah. you know, they can find us on Hope Radio Podcast. They can find us uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast. You can also download us and take us with you wherever you go. If you go places, we want to go places. So take <laughs> us with you. We are getting crazy, Corona crazy. <laughs> we need to leave. If you want to take us with you, then you can do so by downloading us on iTunes 
You can find us at Hope Radio Podcast on iTunes. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all. Spotify. Spotify, all of the platforms. Yes. And you can find us even on Amazon Alexa. You can say, play Amazon. No, excuse me. Alexa, <laughs> play Hope Radio Podcast. I'm going to go home and tell her to play Amazon. Yeah. That's that, like shopping. Yeah. It'll start like purchasing things. <laughs> All right, let's talk to uh, Sean. Uh, let's get his story because I don't know a lot about his life growing up in Trinidad or what he's done here in the States, but I'm eager to find out. So okay. let's get him on the line. Let's do it. All right, I've got Sean Morong on the line. Welcome to the show, Sean. How are you today? Hey, good, good. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Sacramento, California. So, um, yeah, lots to be grateful for, and um, I'm excited. Well, thank you for uh, joining the show, and and yes, it is a beautiful day in the midst of the pandemic, but we are living our best life. We are living our truth right now, and we are super excited to talk with you. And I gather from um, your interview, or excuse me, the conversation that I had with our former guest, Mommy Rapper, who's your your wife, you grew up in Trinidad. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your life growing up in Trinidad and how you made it eventually to Canada because you're a Canadian citizen. And I, w- I want to hear that story too. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. It's a, you know, it's a, a, I like to think it's a pretty interesting story. So growing up in the Caribbean, it's a very different type of lifestyle. And a lot of people that go on vacation, they would go to a place and they would say, well, why would you ever leave this like magical place? And they don't realize when you're there for two weeks, on a vacation, it's a very different ball game, you know, with living there, right? So I lived in, I was born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. It's a twin island republic. It's basically two islands separated by a little bit of water. It's a fun place, right? It's very exciting. It's it's what you would think of from a Caribbean island perspective. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a place that everybody that has never been there imagines going. You hear about a Caribbean island, and it's just like you had me at Caribbean, you know, like island, yeah. water, blue, sunshine, you know, like I think that you're you're correct. Yeah, it's definitely on our bucket yeah. list, yeah. so I, I, I hope you're going to tell us good things, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we have the best carnival, I yeah. would say. Even though maybe the Brazilians would want to argue with us on a few other <laughs> islands, but we like to think we have the best. It was interesting growing up in the Caribbean. I had a very, very inspirational grandmother who kind of led the charge in who I became, who I believe I am today. And, you know, obviously I had my both my parents who were equally influential, but growing up as a kid in the Caribbean, the the school system is very different than the school system in North America. And why I talk about this and why this is important, especially in my story, is I went to a Catholic boys' school. And if you know anything about the Caribbean and, and the school system, it was quite harsh. To give you an example, if I didn't get certain things right, you would be beaten like you know, with a stick or a ruler or whatever it was, because that was just part of how things were in the school system back then. You'd be beaten by a like a teacher, like a, a teacher yeah. would do that to you. Yeah, it was a. I mean, it was a common thing, right? Like it wasn't like it was anything special. Like that that was normal. That was the norm. If you didn't fall into line, or if you didn't get good grades, or if you 
you know, if you weren't within the constructs of how they wanted things done, then, you know, you'd get a stick or a strap or whatever was around. And so you could imagine that it, that could create two types of behaviors, right? One is you can, you can beat a person into conforming, right? And doing what they're supposed to do. Or the flip side of that coin is a person could sort of retreat, kind of go inward, have certain beliefs develop about themselves as to whether they're smart enough or good enough or all of those type of things. I ended up in the latter, right? So it was very challenging for me going to school and maybe not grasping things as fast as some of the other kids, but more of the same continued to be reinforced. Right. So it was, a, it was a real struggle for me early on in terms of I loved playing soccer. I loved playing with friends and doing, you know, kid type stuff. But when it came to school and, you know, education or academia, that was a real, real struggle for me. And, and some some pretty nasty beliefs about myself kind of set in early on. Because, yeah, you, because of the negative reinforcement. I mean, if you if you had any type of you know, slower pace or processing, or you had to think about it a little bit more, or God forbid you should have like dyslexia or some other, you know, undiagnosed uh, challenge that puts you at a, at a bit of a disadvantage. I mean, if you're constantly getting hit or physically reprimanded some way, somehow, I could see how that would make you retreat. I mean, I could see how it'd make you not, not want to be involved at all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, so, you know, so, so as much as I had, a, um, I would never come on here or even just talk anywhere about having a terrible childhood because it wasn't about that at all. But that piece that we're talking about here was such a huge part of the whole puzzle, right? That I didn't understand at the time what beliefs really were and what self-limiting beliefs were really about. I really started to delve into that as I as I got into adulthood and really started to get into human behavior and why we do the things that we do and that type of thing. And I'm sure we'll talk about that today as well. But yeah, there were a lot of self-limiting beliefs that were born from that period of time in my life. And what was that was period of time? Drive. You know, how old were you when you were in the school system in Trinidad? That was probably from about seven years old till about probably about 16 so within that window is where, I mean, the bulk of the school system stuff, if you will, was really kind of being embedded in my, what felt like my DNA, to be quite honest. And those are formulative years. I mean, those are some of the most formative yeah. years for, you know, kind of coming into your adulthood and adolescence and behaviors that you, you know, personal views about yourself that you form. Yeah, Exactly. And that's why I, when I set this up, I was talking about my grandmother being very, very influential because she was one of those people that amidst all of that, um, call it the craziness, she was the one that was implanting sort of the good seeds, right? She was the one that was filling me with encouragement and, and she would say things like, you know, don't worry about what everybody else is saying. They just don't understand. It's not your time. Or this this type of system is just not for you. You, you have bigger things to do. 
and she would say, you know, God has a plan for you. So just keep doing what you do and keep doing the best you can and, and instill that encouragement. So having that, that was like a warm blanket, right? If you, if, if you think about children and, and how they operate, they may gravitate to something that they hold as safety, right? She was my safety. She was that warm blanket. She was that uh, that figure in your life that you could always count on and would be encouraging. I love what she said. It's not your time yet. That's such a hope-filled thing to say. It, it, it basically acknowledges that you're struggling now, but yet be optimistic about the future because your time will come. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it, you know, as a kid, it's, it's, it's tough to like internalize that sometimes when you're in an environment that's very, that's telling you a very different story. Right. Um, and the environment that's telling you that story is, is more societal. So there's more people on that train of, Hey, you need to conform. Hey, you need to, to behave like this. Hey, you need to get these type of grades, you know, need to be like this person, that person, right? All that type of stuff. And then you have a small group in, in fact, almost one person that's there saying, Hey, don't listen to all of that. You, there's a, there's still something special about you. People just not able to realize it yet. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's such an encouraging thing to say. And I, and I think you're right. It, you know, in those years, I think teen suicide is a perfect example of that. I mean, some people just can't see six months a year, two years down the line. I mean, if most of the kids that, that, um, you know, would start to do self-harm to themselves if they could actually see how little, how little consequence there is to high school and adulthood. In other words, the stuff that matters when you're in your 13, 14, 15-year-old phases, you know, when you're 25, 30, 35, 40, like it just doesn't matter, but yet you can't see that. At that time, it just seems like your whole world is right then. You know, and if, if you're getting a constant negative message, then I could see how it would be super discouraging. So she was that light for you. She was that that hope for you. Yeah, she was. And what I, what I came to realize, too, that, again, I didn't really understand at that age was I would I was I would gravitate towards her from as young as, you know, six, seven years old, literally. I would sit by her bedside and she had always said, if you listen to what I have to say, then there's nothing that you will come across in your life that we didn't discuss. And I get goosebumps as I'm telling this story because I would sit with her for hours on any given day. I would, I would forego going outside and playing with friends and, and that type of stuff because something about the wisdom that she had that she was sharing just resonated with me in such a profound way that I just soaked it all up. I just kept taking it in, kept taking it in. And um, I think it, it, it really shaped who I would become later on in life, although at the time I didn't realize it. Yeah. I agree. I can I can sense that now and in your acknowledgement that it caused a physical reaction for you, the goosebumps, etc. You you know, sometimes you reflect, you don't even realize and then like you think about it and you're like, "Man, that person really made a huge impact on my life at the exact right time." So, how did you end up, you know, getting out of Trinidad? Yeah, so what's interesting is I had family members that lived in Canada. And they would come down to Trinidad every 
pretty much every Christmas and they would talk about their lives in Canada, you know, little things like going to school and uh, not having to wear a uniform and, um, you know, this concept of ever being beaten by a teacher was so preposterous for them. Like they couldn't, they couldn't even imagine what that would be like. I lit up like a Christmas tree, right? Cause I, for me, what I heard from that was freedom. Yeah. Like being able to free, you know, freely express yourself, being able to like all of these type of things. So I started to get a vision in my head of what this would be like. And so I wanted that really badly. But in order to leave Trinidad to, to go to Canada and to go to school, you have to write some exams. You have to do really well on the exams. And then you have to have somebody sponsor you, right? At school to accept you. There was all these things associated with anybody wanting to leave the island. And I, I remember clearly, I, I, I got the vision of, I'm getting off of this island. I love, I love Trinidad and Tobago. I love my homeland. But I felt like a big fish in a small pond. But I couldn't explain what that was. And obviously, nobody would agree with that because my grades would suggest something very different. So I, that seed got planted. And I, I remember thinking, I'm, I'm going to Canada. I don't know how. I don't know how it's going to play out. You know, there were family members that disagreed and thought, how, how are you going anywhere? Like, look at your grades for the past horrible long, please. You, you kind of waste everybody's time. And so that's where the mission began. And my mom, she went to some of her work colleagues. She gathered a whole bunch of Reader's Digests. You know, those like little, these have these Reader's Digest booklets yes. with stories and that type of stuff. Yes. So never, she came home with like two boxes full of these Reader's Digest. And I was like, what, what are we doing? She's like, we're going to, you're going to improve your writing. You're going to improve your storytelling because that was a big component of, of this exam that you'd have to take in order to be able to be accepted into Canada and to, to take that particular test. And so every single night after she came home from work and prepared dinner, we would hunker down and we would, we would read together. And then I would go write a story. I love that yeah. message. I want to go back to something, though, that you had said before we get on mm-hmm. to exactly how you got into Canada. But, you know, I, I know you're spiritual. I know you believe in God. And I, uh-huh. do, I do think that there's a lot of people that don't understand that knowing that sometimes is in their spirit. And that's the only way that I can I can describe it. You know, here you are, this young adolescent. You're from a, an island nation that's predominantly a tourism, you know, have fun, Americans, Canadians, etc. come down, you, you know, you're from this island, and I understand that you can't, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities there, but yet you had this knowing, just this sense that you were a bigger fish stuck in a small pond, you know, was that something that came from your grandma? I mean, did she, did she talk about faith? Was it from your parents? Like, how, how did you... How did you come to be so centered that way and to listen to that voice? Oh, great question. Yes, she was like, when you talk about faith, 
in God, like, I mean, she was it. Somebody that embodied what having faith in something bigger than yourself. I, I Like, she talked about it all the time. In fact, from a young age, she had said to me, you need to develop a personal relationship with God such that nothing will ever move you off center. And she even went as far as to say that if I develop the type of relationship with God that it was like a real deep friendship, she actually said, it wouldn't matter if, you know, you have a friend that that maybe Sikh, as an example, and you got invited to go to a Sikh temple, right? Or you got invited to go to any other, um, you know, call it religious um, entity, you would never have any type of challenges with doing that because you already have this relationship with God that's unshakable. So there's no fear or none of this type of stuff that you hear sometimes when, you know, people may be Christian or specifically Catholic in, you know, in a, in a deep type of way where some of those things may not be viewed as being okay. That's where it started. She, again, sort of implanted that and really let me know that when you develop the type of relationship and the trust and the faith in God, that you will always get the guidance and you will never even have to worry about, well, how is this going to work out? There becomes an inner knowing that there's a plan for you and you just need to be open. And she would also talk about the importance of silence because she used to say, God speaks to us in silence. And her thing was getting me very comfortable with being silent and not always talking or being able to be by myself and using that time to be able to communicate with God and hear direction and guidance because there wouldn't be all that mind chatter. Yeah. You know, I need to, I need to carve out more time throughout the day because God comes to me in the silence too. Unfortunately, it's usually at two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden I'll wake up and I'll, I'll be getting what I think is a, is a download. And just, I'm like, like, couldn't this have been at like two o'clock in the afternoon or something, you know, because like, like I actually physically, I felt in my spirit, you know, almost this knowing saying, well, if you were silent and quiet at two o'clock in the afternoon, maybe so. So I, I do understand what you're saying. Well, and I talk 24 seven, so yeah, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't give me a, a lot of moments of silence. And I know? don't get any silence because I'm always talking. I, yeah. need, I need to listen. I've always, always said that is I need to listen. I say it too. You do need to listen. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I need to start listening. That'll be my quarantine fun. Yeah. That will be excruciating uh, it, it, for you. Fun. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. But when you get into that zone of being able to really, I, I call it being comfortable with oneself. Yeah. Right. To be able to, I've always been okay with, like I could go to a movie by myself or go, sit and have dinner by myself when people would be like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? Don't you feel like a loser sitting there by yourself? I'm like, no, I'm actually really good with me because when I'm in that space, I'm oftentimes, I'm talking to God multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just, it's because it's, I, I took to heart what my grandmother talked about in terms of developing this relationship that really kind of equaled a friendship. Right? Of, of, bringing everything to God, asking for the things that I want, even asking, why do I, you know, asking myself, why do I want that? Like, what, what, what's that about? Is it, is it for some external means? What, like, what, 
then you start you start challenging everything and it puts you in a very interesting space because when you have that type of direct connection as my grandmother used to call it with god then the guidance just comes in what i call inspired action i like that i like yeah. that term inspired action yeah and that is about when when you get these glimpses or a hit of something. Some people call it a download. There's multiple things. A lot of times people get certain ideas or things come to them and they ignore it, right? Because they, they're busy doing something right now or it's not, they don't believe it's in alignment with what they think they want, right? But they don't understand that it's following that when it arrives. And I, I had become very good at if I'm doing something right now and I get one of those things, I'm okay pausing what I'm doing right now and following this other thing that came to me. You've, you've learned to trust that in, in your life. Yes. You've learned to know that that's there and you, you've learned to trust it. And I agree with you. It's, it's the best way to describe it is just this, this knowing, this sense, this, you know, sometimes for me, it'll be this random thought that just pops into my head that doesn't seem like it was connected to anything else I was thinking about, but yet I can't let it go. I can't move on yeah. from it. It's like one of those things where you just feel like you need to, to okay, settle in. All right, what, what you know, what, what do you got for me? And the, the visual that I usually kind of imagine in my head, have you seen the movie Avatar? Yeah, yeah. So at the very end of the movie... You know, all of these, I don't know if they call them avatarians or whatever they are, or, or, you know, who I forget the actual name of the people. But anyway, they're they're by the tree of life and they're all connected to this. It's it's like a direct connect to this tree of life. That's what I imagine the download is. It's almost like this direct personal connection to God via a, a conversation, via a knowing. You can present questions. You can ask questions. Yeah. You can you can you can sit there and, and just wait for responses, etc. And and it's amazing. I you know, but I, I never had anybody talk to me about how to do that or explain to me how that works. And so you're you're sharing that yourself right now. Like you're somebody that I I can sense knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I really do. And it's neat when it when it comes to you in that form from a very young age with somebody that you really look up to, like my grandmother, then all of a sudden that becomes truth and you end up feeling it. And it's very different, as I'm sure you could imagine, right? Hearing something from a cerebral sort of heady place versus feeling something in your body, in your heart, in your soul where it doesn't even matter if you can't communicate it to somebody, but you know what it is. Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, we get we got sidetracked. So you ended up, I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming you ended up writing one heck of a essay or article to get you into that uh, Canadian school. Is that right? Yeah, I ended up doing really well on that test. And I mean, that was, that was, that was one part of it was, you know, the writing element. But then you had some some math and some other areas as well. And, uh, you know, the way it worked out, I ended up doing well enough that I was accepted, right? Which was, I mean, I kind of even surprised myself because you can imagine, right? If you have all these negative tapes playing constantly, even though you have this thing in you that's like this desire, I envisioned myself, like when I say envision, I had a specific vision of what, 
it would be like for me in Canada. Like I could, I, I saw myself in Canada before any of this had even happened. So just getting that news that yes, you were accepted. My uncle said, Hey, you know what? I will sponsor you. If you, if you do the work and you know, you get accepted, I'll take care of all the financial pieces. And that's how it went down. I got accepted. He held true to, to what he was saying. And in kind of the blink of an eye, I was in Canada. And that was one of the first times where I really looked back and, and understood this. That's, in, that's manifested. That's, that's what it is. Right? If you can, if you can have a desire, you get some inspired action. There's nothing that suggests that this is for you at all, right? From finances to ability to all these type of things. But all you have is you have a, a big faith, the type of faith that you could build a house on, like my grandmother would say. <laughs> and you take the inspired action and you let go of all the other stuff because none of it's in your control from that point forward. I love that message. I love I love the visualization. I think you've got to see it before it happens. The more concrete that visualization, the more fire that adds to, you know, kind of your 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 dream and your let's get this done kind of thing. Like it's just, it, I believe in that the manestation of it. You know, you got to see it. You got to say it. You got to believe it. You got to send law it out of there. Attraction. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so. Once you, I'm, I'm curious, once you made it to Canada, was it what you thought? Was there culture shock? What, you know, what were the surprises for you once you got out of Trinidad? Once I got out of Trinidad, the, the first shock was, uh, this is kind of funny, the first shock was weather. <laughs> I, um, I was, I was going to assume I, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Canada I, is uh, not we, the we Caribbean. A- <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's not. And what's what's funny about it is we had a big deep freeze back home, you know, one of those big deep freezes. And I kind of, I knew what, you know, the freezing point was. So I remember putting like half my body into the freezer and I was like, ah, you know, it's not too bad. You had a couple of sweaters and whatnot and it should be okay. I didn't cater for there's no wind chill in the freezer. So getting to Canada and really getting struck by like the negative you know, 20 degrees or, you know, negative, even just negative 10. Then you add wind chill onto that. That was the shocker for sure. <laughs> I can, I can only imagine, like if you're not used to the cold weather and I, I don't like cold, you know, I'd prefer hot over cold, but yeah, I, I could imagine that was quite a shock for you. What, what about the culture? What about the people? You know, like what was there um, a, a culture shock from a people perspective? No, there wasn't. There wasn't a culture shock at all. And, and and keep in mind, like moving to Canada, especially a place like Toronto, it's a very diverse environment, right? Um, so there's that. And then the other thing that was really interesting, one of the things my grandmother used to talk about as well was the acceptance of other human beings. And she had specifically talked to me from the time I was a kid about um, not seeing color. And she would talk about like she made statements like and sounds kind of cheesy, but she made statements like, it doesn't matter if you marry somebody that's white, black, blue, green, right? Like, she, she would actually, like, those were her words. Yeah. Right? And as a kid, the translation of that was, oh, 
okay, that's that's not what I look for. I don't like that's not a concern. We're all one. We all bleed the same way. Show me look a little different, but hey, it's it's a non-issue. So my lens was never one for looking at anything else, right? So I so showing up in in Canada and seeing the difference, it was almost like an excitement, right? Of ooh, what am I going to learn from you know this particular culture or. Ooh, I know I love food. So what's what's this going to be about? What's that? So it was more excited curiosity versus, huh? You you look different than I do, or you do things differently than I do. That was never a challenge for me. So I could exist pretty much anywhere, and I just wasn't looking for anything other than harmony and new things to learn, or you know, creativity or whatnot. So that's all I saw, and. One of her classic lines was, we see what we seek, for what we seek, we shall find. Mm-hmm. What she was really getting at, and she, she even said this, she said, be mindful of what you are looking for, because you will find plenty to support just that. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking for the negative things, if you are looking for reasons to support why you don't fit in or challenge or whatever, You'll find plenty of those. If, however, you're looking for reasons to love and support people and to put good things into this world, you will find also a lot of reasons to support that. Yeah. And that's where beliefs come in, right? Yeah, I think I think it's there's several different examples of that. You know, I teach that to my four boys. I know you have four girls, but you know, it's kind of like that that adage: whether you think you can or you can't, you're always right. You know, it's like this this it's the that's a Ford quote. You know, like it's you know it, it's just one of those things that where you feed your attention matters. You know, I'm also part yeah. Indian, and and so there's a there's a you know, an Indian story about, you know, a chief, you know, mentoring to a, um, a young boy talking about the different, you, you know, you've got your, your two wolves on either shoulder. One, you know, one is mean and it's, it's fear and greed and anger and hostility. And the other one's nice. It's light. It's, you know, love, laughter, peace, harmony, harmony, etc. And so, you know, these two wolves are at war with one another and so that the young brave asks the chief you know which one wins and and he says whichever one you feed you know and i think it's that it's kind of what you're saying there it's that mindset that what you give your attention to what you give your focus to whether it be positive or whether it be negative that's what will prevail yeah yeah that's what will expand exactly so um so coming to come into canada was just like I was like overwhelmed with joy about the different opportunities, right? The opportunities I couldn't see back home just because the environment was different, you know, smaller island, that type of thing. But now all of a sudden it's like I'm in a place where like the possibilities, my perception was that they were endless. And it was a matter of, well, what type of experience do I want? And Again, that tuning in, I would get a hit of inspired action and I'd be like, you know what? I'm really interested in this. I'm going to go down this road. There was no thought of, well, can you do it? What's going to happen if you fail? Right? Like all those, those, those things didn't come into the, into the equation. 
right? It was a, oh, I'm going to follow this path because that's the inspired action right now. Now on the, on the back end of that, and this is where beliefs are so, so powerful. There was always this negative tape running, right? Of the experience that I had back home of not being, you know, the story I was telling myself around, I'm not smart enough. So underneath some of the inspired action and some of the things that I desired, I was always battling this old tape that kept saying, hey, yeah, that sounds great, but do you think you're really going to be able to achieve that? Was it luck that you just you just happened to, you know, do well on that test to get accepted into Canada, but really remember what all those people were saying. I don't know. You might want to think about this, right? That was, it was, there was a constant back and forth between those two elements. I could see that. I think that's self-doubt. I think that's a function of just not ever having been in a situation where you truly could depend on yourself and realize all of your own dreams. It, it just sometimes success is scary to people. Sometimes you need that check just because what happens if it doesn't work out? Like it's it's almost like a protection against, you know, failure. But if you listen to it too often or too much, it can it can talk you out of things. And so how did you move past that? How did you silence that voice? The way I silenced that voice was there were two main elements. One was I would step up my communication with God and my prayer, right? That 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 was always foundational because every time that voice came in, I had this deeper understanding that fear and anxiety and all those things, they're very quick and very sneaky. So for us to attempt to um, elude that or to um, to be able to, to beat it, it's very challenging, right? So I stepped up the prayer game and I really honed in and leaned into God. And then the second thing I would do is I would always make sure I took some action, right? A lot of times I feel like people get stuck in the negative belief space and it paralyzes them and then they can't take any action. Right, which is part of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Right. When 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 we have this, when we have these negative beliefs, and we allow it to stop us from taking action, then you're not going to be able to, to to achieve anything or accomplish anything. Right. Regardless of whether you you want to think, oh, am I going to fail or not? Guess what? If you if there is no action taken, you're pretty much guaranteed not to achieve anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it was those two things. In addition to your, your prayer game, did you call grandma? Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting is shortly after I moved to Canada, one of my biggest fears came to pass and she passed away Aww. while I was in, in Toronto. And that used to be something, I, I used to be afraid of that from the time I was young, right? Um, what am I going to do? How, how would I exist Right, because this is I mean, you're talking about your your mentor, your like your soul person, like I mean. So that one that one hit me really hard and I, I, I got a phone call to tell me that it happened. But quick side fun fact, she actually passed away on a dance wall <laughs> dancing. Aww. Like my <laughs> my parents my parents had a party at their house 
where they brought all their old school friends and, you know, they had a, a guy playing guitar and, and whatnot. And one of my mom's friends asked her to come on the dance floor and she came up and she was dancing apparently. And then she just kind of slowly collapsed. They, you know, some friends caught her and then she passed away on her way to the, to the hospital. But even in that story, it like, as crushed as I was, I mean, who dies on a dance floor? Like, really enjoying themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's the, uh, that's the sweet blessing at the end, you know? I think if we could all go dancing, you know, I think that that's, that's right up there with going in your sleep, man. It's just doing something that you love, having fun, having a good time. You know, I'm sorry to, to yeah. hear that, but, you know, I'm sure her words continue to play in your head mm-hmm. even to this day. You know, our discussion today, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a sense that I'm going to somehow title this something related to grandma's wisdom, <laughs> because I think that's the central theme that I, I hear kind of emanating from your story is somebody took enough mm-hmm. time to speak positivity into your life to help shape and mold you from the negative, the 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 you know, trauma, the, the, just the disenfranchised, the, whatever you were getting at that time that was not positive. Mm -hmm. Like she was that, she was that kryptonite to that, Mm -hmm. you know, she was like your, you know, she was your biggest champion. Yeah. And, and to add to that, to, to your specific question about, you know, what happened, like once I moved to Canada and she was no longer around and whatnot, that's when the integration happened. I call it integration because it's one thing to have a dialogue with somebody and to be, you know, connected with somebody and and having physical interactions with them. It's a different level when everything that they've taught you and who they were as a person becomes integrated into who you are. And now there's no differentiation whatsoever. They have now become a part of you, right? And... it's now a fabric of you. You start thinking like just the way I was describing certain things or remembering stuff that she had said. That's what that is. Yes. It's it's, right. It becomes integrated. And now you don't, I don't mean this to sound bad. You don't need the person, right? It's not about oh, the person's not here. It's that they are now a part of me. And now everything that I do, it's as if they were standing next to me. And that's a really powerful place to be when you when you start to integrate things or people or whatever. Make sense? Yes, absolutely. And so I have a question for you. You know, there's a lot of people out there right now listening that may be in a situation where life has just thrown them something that they were not expecting, whether it's a, a you know reduced hours, whether it's a job layoff, whether it's the potential that they could be, could be losing their business or their house or whatever. What do you think your grandma now through you would say to that person right now that's that's having that anxiety, having that worry? What do you think she would say to them? I think what she would, the essence of what she would talk about is she would talk about the importance of starting with self-compassion. Everything you're describing in terms of where people may be at within themselves right now, and there's a whole bunch of brain research and neuroscience to, to support this as well, which is nice. But it's the heightened anxiety and all of those things. It's pretty normal for us in this time because of the level of uncertainty. 
because we are wired to want to have control and we have now been put in a situation where we have no control. So I would say she would say really focus on having self-compassion, first of all, for where you are right now. And then it would be about asking yourself questions around what do I have control over right now? Right? And list out what, what are the things do I, that I have control over? Because something happens when we take these things that are swirling around within us and we put them down on paper. Right? We write down what are the things we have control over. Then we write down what are your biggest fears. Write it up and see it on paper. Once you've done that, ask yourself some more questions about this in terms of what's my worst case scenario, what's my best case scenario, and what's most likely. Right? So there's this element of maybe some people want to call it journaling. But when you go through that type of process, a couple of things happen. You start seeing on a piece of paper coming off onto the page where you're really at within yourself. What yeah. are the things that you're really afraid of, right? And then it has it. It doesn't have the same stronghold on you as it does when you don't let it out. It's the equivalent to a bunch of jars within you that are sealed so tight that when the pressure does build, it's explosive. Versus us letting this stuff out, giving it its own um, space to come out on paper. Because then you have an ability to challenge what's real and what's not real. And to focus on what you want to concentrate on and let the other stuff fall behind. I mean, I think intentionality, I think focus and intentionality are so important right now. If you if you give a lot of time, for example, looking at the news, looking at the daily updates, etc. Like I've, I stopped that about a week ago. Like I just don't want to let that come in because it's just one of those things. I can't do anything about it. Nothing about that is going to change how I live today. And the reality of it is, is that just seems to be a reservoir of negative emotions. If I go tap into that, if I go read that, if I go look at that, that, that brings me down and I don't want to do that. I would rather focus on a story of hope. I'd rather search the internet for some funny something or other. I would rather try to find another guest for my show. Like I don't, I don't, you know, I think it's about spending time focusing your energy on positives and not negatives. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm glad you kind of raised this topic because I, I get asked this piece all the time around the thinking positive piece. And a lot of people have said, you know, well, yeah, sure, think positive. But what if I'm, what if I don't, you know, I'm just not thinking positive. Do, do I force myself or I, all these types of things, right? Because some people just, they have a challenge finding the positives because they're so flooded by negatives. That's why that lead up to the focusing on the positive is to give that whatever that negativity is or whatever that anxiousness is or whatever that fear is, to give it its place on paper because then it ceases to have the ability to, to really block your, your clarity and continue to prevent you from tapping into the positive pieces, right? Because yes. a lot of people, they, they want to go to the positive right off the bat. It's challenging to do that when all this negativity and stuff has been building up and then a person just would hope they could just switch on a dime and then all of a sudden be on the positive and have that um, generate rewards for them. So I, I tell people all the time, this is normal. 
A, when you understand how the brain operates, and when we get into this fearful, what we call threat response triggers in our environment, our thinking brain shuts down, right? That's the part that does reasoning and that type of stuff. And what kicks in is what we call the emotional part of the brain, right? The limbic system. That's where you have the fight, flight, or freeze uh, type of responses. That takes over. So we know that normalizing this is important, right? And understanding that, you know what? Like, it makes sense why I'm feeling this way. Just that thought alone, that gentleness and that kindness towards oneself helps get us back up to level. Yeah. I agree with that I talk completely. About this all day long, by the way. Yeah, no, I think it's good. You know, I think one of the exercises that is good for everyone to do is is just really exploring gratitude. I think gratitude is one of the most underrated activities that one could um, spend time doing that changes your attitude. Like, for example, if you just sat down and, and right now. Like even, even, you know, let's create a story. Let's, let's say somebody's, you know, lost their job. They don't know where the rent's going to come from. They might lose their house as a, as a byproduct of this. Like, how can you be grateful in that moment? Well, you can be grateful for your health. You can be grateful that people are in your, in your life that love you. You can be grateful that you have your eyesight. You can be grateful that you have your hearing. You can be grateful that you have, you know, um, a roof over your head today and likely will have a roof over your head tomorrow. And you know, you can be grateful for I, like the list goes on and on. And if you sat there and actually wrote that stuff out and then as an addendum to that sat and started to write down your complaints, like you, I, I bet you probably get to two or three of them and you're just like, okay, I don't even want to do this anymore. You know, like it, the yeah. gratitude piece takes everything away. Yeah. I love that. Yes. And, I call it gratitude mining, right? Because <laughs> I it, like that mining it, for gold. It, I'm mining it, for gold. Yeah, gratitude or gratitude gold. That, that's yeah, it. exactly, exactly. Because where a lot of people struggle sometimes with gratitude is when when they get to a point where they finish listing out like I'm gratitude, I'm grateful that I can walk, I can talk, I can see, and whatnot. Then if I were to graph it out, it's like high at the beginning. And then it starts to dip for people because they feel like they're run out of, of things to, um, to be grateful for. But what I tell people all the time is continuing down that path and starting to look for what's not normal for you, what you don't normally pay attention to. I'll give you an example, right? Sitting outside in the back and you hear these birds chirping. Well, people don't often think, well, I should be grateful for for that, or maybe that is something I could be grateful for. Like there's all of these things that are sitting in our environment that we take for granted. Yeah. So when you go mining for for things to be grateful for, that's when you start like the richness starts coming up to the surface. Once you get past the you know sort of call it the typical things that we as human beings kind of know to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, the season's changing, going outside for a walk because, you know, you're tired of being cooped up in the house and all of a sudden you see the flowers blossoming and you see the, you know, squirrels and lizards running around and you see the, you, you get the yeah. the changes in the temperature of the air as the breeze blows across you. Like, like God is there. He's present. Like, you know, yeah. be grateful that you can take that in. Be grateful yeah. that you can experience yeah. that. You know, I, I agree with you. And I think that if people spent more time focusing on 
the things in their life that they can be grateful for that they would never want to take for granted. You know, it, contrasting it with imagining, you know, a villager in Africa that's got to walk four miles to go get water. What can you be grateful for in your life that that person doesn't have? You know, focus that yeah. that would be a good tool for mining gratitude. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess the last thing I'll say is all of this, you know, if I had to kind of sum up a lot of these things that we've been talking about, it's an inside job, <laughs> right? And when I say it's an inside job, I really would, my hope for people is that they would recognize the desires that they have and the dreams that they have, none of it sits outside of, of oneself, right? It's, it's about, can you get to a place within yourself where you are accepting yourself, where you are, practicing self-compassion and where you are able to be still and get those hits of inspired action. And it's not about, well, when I get this thing, then I'll be okay. Or if I had that thing over there, then my life would be fulfilling. Uh, it's, it's, it's inside out versus outside in. I love that. And so that having, you know, having that mentality just recognizing that alone changes the vibration of how we then start to exist. I agree with that a hundred percent. Thank you so much, Sean. Like I, I enjoy your wisdom. I enjoy the wisdom that you shared that came from your grandma. She's still making a difference to this day through you, through your shared, you know, stories and examples, etc. Thank you so much for coming online with us today and, and sharing your truth. Oh, thank you for having me, and uh, I love that I got to, to mm-hmm. share about her. Her name was her name was Ivy Waterman, mm-hmm. so uh, you know I call myself the Ivy the <laughs> Ivy Waterman Project because <laughs> I love that's, you know that. that's what I am. <laughs> I love that. I love that very much. That's that's really really cool. Well, thank you again for your time. You did a great job. This was a wonderful message, and I think it'll touch people. Awesome. I love sharing with you guys. Thank you for having me on. What did you think of our interview with Sean? With Sean. Sean Morong. Morong. I'm actually, you know, I thought it was a great interview. Like he speaks my language. Like it's just so motivational and all his words are like, we're just so positive. And I love that he had such a great influence in his life, his grandma and I love that we're going to go to Carnival <laughs> in Trinidad. I love that too. You I know, want to do that. He, he not only did he have a great message, but I could actually listen to him forever. Oh, like yeah. the accent. I love the accent. What is it about accents? Like we're always drawn to people with accents. I don't know, but it sounds like when they say stuff in an accent, it sounds like so much more important and so much more truth. <laughs> Well, do you think they think we have an accent? Um, I think some places think we have an accent. You know what's funny is people... (laughs) (laughs) I think some places think we have an accent. Accent. Not an accident. A lot of people that I talk to will automatically know I'm from California. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because I say totally. (laughs) I don't know. Here's, Here's what I do know. If I could, I would. I would love to sit down and have a dinner conversation with Sean's grandma, Ivy Waterman. I would yeah. love, can you imagine having a, a, a Trinidad meal mm-hmm. and sitting down and sharing some time with her and talking about God and faith and oh my gosh, yeah, family and eating food? and Yeah, what a total dream. Yeah. You know what's actually really cool is that his 
for girls, you know, get to hear these messages yeah. their whole life. So he gets to, you know, Ivy Waterman gets poured into his little girl. Yeah, so that's, that's the best part like of it. ongoing. That's the best part of having somebody positive in your life. Yeah. Somebody that's influential. A mentor. A mentor, Yeah, yes. make sure you have a mentor. That's somebody, like consistent, huh? Yeah. With all of our guests? Yeah. I need a mentor. Will you mentor me? You want me to mentor you? Uh, no. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's a lot of people that actually would love me to mentor them. I know. But I was just kidding. You mentor me all the time. You, you have, you have helped me rise in my fitness. You're my mentor there. Your fitness mentor. Yeah. Okay. I like that. You like that? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start lifting weights. Is that what we're going to do? Yeah. This week we're going to. This is a surprise to me. Yeah. I'm going to get you lifting weights because weights are like the magic thing. They're magic. They're very magic. They don't seem magic to me. They're very magical. <laughs> I love Cause, lifting cause weights. Because they, they do things. Yeah. More they than running, things. more than yoga, more than anything yeah. in the world. Weights are like my thing. I mean, I love all the other things too. But I like the weights were like my foundation. Yeah. That's where I started. Yeah. I agree. So, well, we'll so see we're what gonna, happens. We're going to lift some iron. We got a new bar. You always get me to do things I don't want to do. So yeah. we'll see how that how that goes. Well, it's either me train you or Brayden. So you choose. <laughs> All I'm right. probably nicer. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'm probably not. <laughs> probably not. He's a little aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, our second youngest child, 15-year-old, is like the beast. Yeah. He's like a Hulk. Yeah, that's true. I'm more I'll have a, you train me. I'm more of a drill sergeant. I take no excuses <laughs> or I move on. Now, I want to I share something with you because it's time for my, my hope thought of the day. Okay. Now, I found this thought before we had this did conversation. Did you cut your finger? I did. I found this thought... Squirrel. Squirrel. Well, your Band-Aid's funky. I know. Okay. It's starting to come off. But I found this quote before we talked to Sean, mm-hmm. and I and something about it spoke to me. Okay. It was that knowing. The knowing. Right? And I think it's so appropriate because it now, not having any idea what he was going to share, mm-hmm. now it seems like the perfect quote. So you ready? I'm so ready. If only you could sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet, how important you can be to the people you may never dream of. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. That's from Fred Rogers. Wow. Oh, Mr. Rogers. I love Mr. Rogers. And very appropriate for our conversation yeah, today. Yeah, I love that. That's very a good appropriate. one. Yeah, mm-hmm. really, really good one. All right, so should we do this again tomorrow? I think think we're going to have another interview tomorrow. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. I don't have it scheduled yet, but I'm hoping for it. Okay. We're going to have an interview tomorrow. All right. Here we go.